0: It is good to be together, and if you brought your Bible with you, I'd love you to grab that. If it's on your phone, it's fine. If it's a tablet, you um, I was just struck afresh this week as I was prepping for this for this morning. We're going to take, try not to keep it to more than fifteen minutes or twenty minutes. We're going to take some time in God's Word. We're going to take God's Word to us, Scripture, and we're going to open this. And God wants to speak to us. It might be something that you hear me say. Probably it's something you're going to hear in spite of me. (laughs) God wants to speak to you. And I want us just to have kind of a fresh readiness and reverence for God's word. I've got a slide I want to put on screen. I would love for us to read this scripture together. I don't hope that you can read that from there. But I'll read it. And if you can see it, read it with me from 2 Timothy 3.16. Ready? Go. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip us to do every good work. So let's be ready Let's be attentive. Let's sit up and receive what God has for us. If you've got a Bible, I want you to find Acts chapter 2. Today is Pentecost birthday of the church and so we're going to read portions of Acts 2 and this is our pattern here let's stand together for the reading of God's word and um, Acts chapter 2 starting at verse 1 on the day of Pentecost all the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from from Galilee, these, all these people from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then from verse 14 and on, you read Peter, who just 53 days prior had vehemently denied Jesus his Lord. Peter stands up and preaches the first sermon of the church, the birthday of the church. And Peter speaks with power, proclaims the gospel, quotes scripture, reminds them of the prophecy fulfilled from Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon turned to blood, before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, he says. And then finally, as old Peter continues to preach, he unpacks the gospel for them. Let me take you all the way to verse thirty-six. Peter hits the end of his sermon and he says, So now let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, Peter's word pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles and all who have been called by the Lord our God. And Peter continued preaching for a long time. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked Generation and those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Amen. Not bad for a first day of the church, huh? Tongues and fire, let's be seated together. Great sensational things, speaking in tongues, and 3,000 saved. It's a great start. It's a great start. See, the Jewish people had understood the reality of the Spirit of God. They knew about the Spirit of God, uh, but the Spirit's availability to everyone was a new phenomenon for them. Even though it was a fulfillment of prophecy, as we saw in there. So this event, Pentecost, were at 50 days or seven weeks after Passover. The, the Jews called the festival of Shabbat or the Feast of Weeks. And these seven weeks from Passover, think about leaving, leaving uh, Egypt thousands of years earlier. The Exodus, they get to Sinai. So what is this? This is the celebration of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, receiving the law at Sinai. That's what this was to celebrate, the coming of the law. And Jesus had promised them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. So this is a fulfillment of Jesus. promise. The, the disciples did not want Jesus to leave. They wanted him to stay around like Jesus. Like we're just getting things started here. Right. But Jesus had said and he said it in John 16, verse seven, puts it this way. He says, Jesus speaking, it's best for you. That I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. That promise. And then if you were even to go back into Acts chapter 1, just the, the first part of the book. It says this at 1 verse 4. When he, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So keep in mind, they had... After the resurrection, they had walked with Jesus 40 days. Jesus ascended to heaven. He says, hang around here. Don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem. Power is coming. Look at verse uh, 8 with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem through Judea in Samaria to the ends of the earth and as you unpack the book of Acts that's exactly how the gospel spreads Jerusalem Judea Samaria and then to the Gentile world from there now sometimes we'll sing a song uh something like you know come Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit you're welcome here come flood this place fill the atmosphere we will we'll kind of go those places and it creates a little bit of awkwardness sometimes some will say Lord would you just come Holy Spirit? Come in this place. And we think, okay, wait a second. What are we talking about here? Let's be clear. God has already given his Holy Spirit to us. God poured out his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. That's what I see at verse 37. Repent, be baptized, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That's the promise from Scripture. But there's plenty of evidence as well for this special empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Of being filled with With the Holy Spirit. Think about it this way. Those of you who've had kids, the kids are in the house, right? They're doing homework, they're up in their rooms, they're on the computers, they're doing whatever. They're present, they're with you, but not beside you. They're in the house. But then you call them for dinner and they're with you in a different sort of way. They're, they're at the table. They're, it's more personal, it's more intimate, it's more empowered. And I want you to think of that with the Holy Spirit. As a believer, the Holy Spirit's in the house. But there's a moment where you invite the Holy Spirit to the table, where it's this more empowered, more intimate. And the end result of the presence of the Holy Spirit is always the glory of God, not the glory of a person, not the glory of a church or a congregation, not the glory of a certain gift or ability. It's the glory of God. And God is most glorified when people come to Christ. The Apostle Paul writes about that in Corinthians. And so we welcome the Holy Spirit for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of more people coming to Christ, for greater unity, for God's glory, all those things. And 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 look, let's face it. Holy Spirit oriented churches, let's call them, typically we might call them a, a you know charismatic church or pentecostal type church. Look, just between us, they tend to be a little more exciting. They tend to be a little more lively, kind of more going on. Um and, uh, and, you know, we like that. Uh, they tend to be, uh, often a little faster going. They tend to be more visionary. Uh, and I think it's because a church like that has really been seeking the Holy Spirit in mission and not just in familiar programs, not just kind of man's organized human organization, but really seeking the Spirit. Now they're typically messier than your average evangelical church, because, you know, as people come to, if God's at work, people come to faith in Christ, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, right? But it's really fun. It's really, really fun. Now, I love our church. I love that, I love that Bethany Church loves God's word. It's foundational for us. I love that the Beth, people of Bethany Church uh, like to hang out together. I like that you're here this morning. I like, some of you cannot resist, uh, you know, sitting too close together. I get it. I feel the same way. I love it. I love everything about that. I love that we're growing in worship. I love that Christy, you just led us into that sweet presence of Jesus. But I want to share something. My heart, my desire for us as a church is that we would become a church that's more and more welcoming to the presence and the work and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And in our individual lives, that's my heart's desire for us. So, what would it take? What does it take to become a, to be a Holy Spirit welcoming church and individual believer? Well, we're told that many devout Jews were present, right, for for this festival. They very possibly, and they've come from all these distant places. And we're talking a huge geographical reach at this moment. So very possibly they say, you know what? This year, let's go to Jerusalem for the Passover and we'll stay right here to Shabbat. We'll celebrate the Feast of Weeks. We've saved up. We're going to have, you know, 50 days. So we're going to spend seven weeks in the, in the city of God. <sighs> I could do that. I could do that. I could spend seven weeks there. No problem. So these people are all present there. Pentecost is just the Greek word means 50, the 50 days, uh, passed. And, and you've got to remember, these are all devout Jews. These are religious people. They're God-fearing. They're faithful. They're well-invested, spiritually speaking, right? But isn't this amazing? Their response to what happens is mixed. It's mixed. There's. It really boils down to either amazed curiosity or a scoffing ridicule. Amazed curiosity or scoffing ridicule. Verse 6 says they were bewildered. Verse 7 says they were amazed. Verse 12 says they were amazed and perplexed. They're just like, man, what is going on? But those are all fairly positive words. I would call it amazed curiosity. And then in verse 13, it says that some ridiculed them saying, well, they're just drunk. That's an easy way to dismiss something. Ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, you're just crazy. You're drunk. You're out of your mind. You're nuts. Rather than Really saying what's going on. In curiosity and ridicule, or you could also use the word skepticism, I would say are still the main responses to the authentic presence of the Holy Spirit and to the gospel message. So my question for us is, which direction do you lean? Do you lean more towards curiosity, amazement, or do you lean more towards skepticism, ridicule? It's important that you know which way you lean when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because at the end of Peter's sermon, it reveals where your leaning leads to. It leads to either re- if, if that those amazed, in, those in amazed curiosity, lean toward and receive repentance, and those who were scoffing and ridiculing, there's rejection. So it's important you know where am I leaning because there's an end result to it. Verse 37, 38, We read it already. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? There's always a response needed when someone's listening to the gospel. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you read back to when the law was given, remember we're celebrating the giving of the law, 3,000 people died at Sinai because they weren't receiving the law. They hear 3,000 people receive life. By the Holy Spirit, and and there's there's this response: believe and be baptized to receive the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and you've not been baptized by confession of faith as a believer, I'm not talking about you know you're which is great if your parents baptized you when you're little, but if you if you've not repented and been baptized, you're holding back. You're not putting yourself in a place to receive what God has for you. Now, only the curious could receive. Peter's gospel message, right? Their hearts at least were open and a scoffer's heart cannot hear the Spirit. And so it's always a choice to receive or to reject, to, to welcome or to walk away, to be humble or to be haughty about this. Now I was, I would say personally I was fortunate to grow up in a somewhat charismatic, uh, family. My, my parents came from a charismatic, I mean kind of a conservative Mennonite Tradition And those things remain through my adolescence, right? So things like movies, playing cards, school dances, all forbidden. You had to sneak around if you wanted to do those things. Might have happened. Not confessing in case this is recorded and my parents. Listen, um, I was taught to tithe from my earliest days. I was taught to read the Bible daily. And we were in church every Sunday, usually twice. But my parents had also experienced, we're talking the early 70s here, my parents had also experienced uh, something we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a, a distinct outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the life of the believer who desires what we read about it Acts in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the gifts of the Spirit. And as, as an 11-year-old, as 11 years old, and I remember we had we'd gone to a conference and it was like kids portion, a kind of a kids church time and at this at this kids portion they, they were praying for kids to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and and, and I, I didn't go forward for prayer. I wasn't really sure about that and didn't feel comfortable doing that without my parents present. But at home I asked my parents about that, what that meant. They explained that and they prayed, they asked if I would like to receive that and I did. And I they prayed for me and 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 I did receive that. That filling of the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking or praying in another language. Now, at that time, that was pretty radical for a Mennonite family. She just didn't really do that. People didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, not everybody receives the gift of tongues. And, and it's not the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're to be clear about that. It's a wonderful gift. The Apostle Paul says, I wish you would all speak in tongues. Um, and we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, more about the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks. But I confess this, that it was easier to receive that work as a child than it would be today. There's, faith just comes more naturally for kids. Skepticism, I figured out, is learned. Skepticism is a learned behavior. So when I'm skeptical, I I, I have to realize I wasn't naturally like this. I learned it. And so... I wonder where your heart is on this. When we talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about these events of Pentecost. Are you bent toward amazed curiosity? Or are you bent toward scoffing ridicule? And if you're leaning toward curiosity. The last bit of what I'm going to share with you is for you. And if you're leaning more toward ridicule. You have my permission to tune out. Check your Facebook right now. It's a great time to pretend that there's scores of games that aren't played I, I don't know whatever you need to do but for those of us who are those of you who are leaning in and saying i'm curious i want to know more listen this is what i'm going to share is, is for you because i want to leave you four ways to welcome holy spirit into your life and and four words they all start with the letter r and if you remember just one of these words you'll be miles ahead i think so if we're to talk about how to ready your heart for the holy spirit the first i would say is this it's the word is relinquish. Relinquish control. Ha I am a control freak. Anybody who works with me knows that. I like to know what's going on. I like to know the details. I'm on it. And and that's my comfort zone. And we have to relinquish control. Control comes in our programs. It comes in our need to project a good image. Right? I, I, I you know, that control of needing you to, to like me and to to want to hear what I have to say, right? Control comes in religious formulas, in doctrinal arguments. It's the need to prove ourselves that we somehow know better, that we've we've studied, we've figured things out. And yet, that moment of response from that crowd, when they say, brothers, what must we do? That's a relinquishing of control. I don't know what to do right now. I don't know how to respond. I'm going to release and relinquish control. So I would say it's, you know, we're invited to... To to not gripe, but instead to ask the Holy Spirit to take over my heart. To not be complainers, but to be receivers of what God wants to do. My, My dad used to pray before the church services. He would say, Lord, do something that's not printed in the bulletin. Lord, do something that's not printed in the bulletin. Notice we didn't give you bulletins this morning. So the Holy Spirit would have freedom. Really, so we aren't putting something in your hand just yet. We'll get there. So can I relinquish... Control. The second word is release. And I would say release the poisons. That's a strong word, poison. But the poisons of... I just fell over. The, the poisons of, of, of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of anger, of, of of stubbornness. The Bible calls it stiff-necked rebellion. I would say of... Un, this is not a word, but unleadableness. That some, sometimes uh, we don't want to be led and we don't let anybody lead us. You can't tell me what to do and we've always done it this way and... And, and that's a that's a poison. That's a hardness of the heart. Um, yeah, you know, secret wounds that have happened in your past and you haven't dealt. Secret sins. Um, all these things make our hearts rock hard. We're blocking the work of the Holy Spirit. If you're hanging on to offenses or abuses, or if you're refusing to seek forgiveness or reconciliation, or refusing to make amends with people, you're going to miss out what God has for you through the Holy Spirit. you got to release the poisons. Dump it out. It's for your own good. Third word is respond. Respond to promptings of the Holy Spirit. This takes a little practice. Uh, you might feel crazy sometimes when you do it, but but the Lord might be telling you to you know to speak to a coworker about your faith, or or prompting you to write a check for a charity, or or just to to spend a little time with that neighbor, or or, or phone that kind of long lost friend that God just brought to your mind. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will direct me to, to drive a different path to go into this store or place or, you know, leads me to a scripture passage or something like that to pray for somebody. We want to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I can invite the worship team to, to join me because we've are got one more awesome song to sing. As you respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you're preparing the soil of your heart to welcome the work of the holy spirit more and more remember the stewardship principle right if you can be trusted with a little you'll be entrusted with more but if you don't manage what you've been given you will even that will be taken away that's a really important principle i want more of god well are you responding with the little that you have now i i don't read the bible because i don't really understand it all but do you understand five percent of it Start with the little that you have. Respond with that little bit. God says, "I see that heart. I can trust that heart with more. I see that. I see that mind that's longing for more. I can trust that mind with more. More favor, more leadership, more influence, more blessing. To to respond sometimes means to just just linger in His presence. Christy, you had us doing that in that in that song, Waymaker. You're just inviting us to. To slow down and, and and linger. Don't worry about it. Repetition. I know we sang those words already. We're singing them again so you don't have to think about them, but instead you can let your heart and mind enjoy Jesus. When I when I sing that Waymaker song, for example, I like singing it repeatedly because I'm thinking about God, one of those places. I need you to be the Waymaker. That relationship. Praying for my family members or, or a certain situation or praying for our church. And so I can just say Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That's who you are, even when I don't see you working. And as I sing, that, I can just, God, I, I'm bringing this situation to you. And I'm bringing this person to you. Even when I don't see it, I'm proclaiming the truth. God, you are still at work. Uh, Romans 8, 28. I saw in somebody's mass this morning that in all things, God works for the good of those who are called according to his purpose your heart responding to the promptings of the holy spirit are you okay to linger linger in that time of worship that place of worship it's partly about relinquishing control and releasing poisons as well it kind of all goes together and the last one is to resist distractions i would say this one for me is by far the hardest Distractions can be positive. They can be negative. It's a fun project to work on. It's a stupid criticism that's going over and over in my head. It's it's worries about what people will think of me. It's overwhelmed by by tasks. It's concerns about finances. It's hours on devices and, and social media and games. Those are all distractions that keep me from really welcoming the Holy Spirit in my life. If I'm gonna welcome the work of the Holy Spirit, it's gonna take some, some time, some space. So we gotta resist distractions. Relinquish, release, respond, resist. Relinquish, release, respond, resist. Do you see what's happening? You're turning your heart from stubbornness or closeness to an openness. God's inviting you to that this morning. And, and the worst thing would be is if we just went back to status quo do things the way we've always done them, and miss the new things that God wants to do in your life if you welcomed the Holy Spirit into your life not telling God how it's going to go but just saying God have your way we used to sing an old song back in the 70s and 80s Spirit of the Living God Fall Afresh on Me it's actually from much earlier than that a song from the 50s spirit of the living god fall afresh on me so i've got a little prayer we're gonna put it on the screen and you can say this with me i'll in fact because it's so small there go line by line and maybe you want to pray this with me i'll just say line you can just pray along let's go to prayer holy spirit you are welcome in my heart I relinquish control of my life to you. I, life to you I, release hurt, I release the poisons of unforgiveness, hurt, and bitterness. I choose to respond to your leading. I to to your leading. And I resist, I resist the distractions that keep me from receiving all you have for me. God, what if we were like that? What if we were that church that learned how to welcome you more and more, not trying to prove anything, not not trying to impress anybody, but just enjoying you and responding and following your leading and being that place that's growing and walking and all the gifts you have so that people all around would say, what is this? We are amazed and perplexed. We hear God being glorified. What should we do? How do we respond? What should we do to be saved? God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises.